What's up, everybody? This is Magic. Once again, I took over the blinkers off because we are here with the whole team to react to what we just found out about the Breeders' Cup. This is the Breeders' Cup Draw Live Instant Reaction Show. I am joined, of course, by Aaron Halterman and Jared Welch of the Racing Dudes. And joining us this time is Mike, the co-host of the Magic Mike podcast. Gentlemen, welcome here. Aaron, your quick thoughts on everything that we've seen so far with the Breeders' Cup Draw. Well, I mean, there really, really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, excitement or disappointment or, you know, you didn't jump for joy, wasn't a lot of surprises. It was just kind of what we thought, right? Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of just formalities. Um, I, I guess my biggest takeaway is is on the juvenile day, uh, you know, a couple of horses kind of got iffy draws. But in the end, I don't think it's going to be like a huge deal one way or the other. Jared, you're looking pretty comfy over there in your racing dude sweatshirt. How uh, how did you see everything happen here with the Breeders' Cup draw? Yeah, I mean, not, nothing to you know that that can really change other than the you know few horses that I liked that uh, that maybe uh, drew you know didn't draw that particular race or whatnot. And so a little bit of adjustments going on uh, you know right now and as we uh, go into the night uh, as far as taking some of these horses out, especially in the juvenile some of these juvenile races that. You had to get creative a little bit underneath, but yeah, overall, uh, you know, especially on that Saturday, everyone, you know, for the most part is, is what you thought they would be. Oh, and we just lost Mike right when it's his turn to speak. I, he forgot. <laughs> this isn't the magic Mike show. We're not supposed to have technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry about that guys. We'll, we'll wait for Mike to come back to us. Listen, we've got a long show to get into Let's dive right into the breeders cup. It's going to be a little different. If you're joining us live on YouTube, uh, Periscope, Facebook. Thank you so much. Bring your questions for the guys because we'll read them here on air if you're watching live. Guys, taking a look at everything that we saw, what is, in your opinion, the most likely favorite to win one of the races at the Breeders' Cup? Aaron, I'll start with you. For me, it's on Friday, and it's Golden Pal or Jackie's Warrior, either one. Um, I just think they look awfully tough for two different reasons. Golden Pal, I think the class is just on another level compared to those horses. And you look at out a door, a horse that Wesley Ward also trains, he goes, you know, to the, or to the regular turf, not the juvenile turf sprint. And I think that was a big sign. So uh golden pal, definitely. And then Jackie's warrior on speed figures just looks faster than everybody else. So those are the two that really stood out to me as the two most likely winners of the breeders cup. Very interesting. Jared, what about you? Uh, favorite looking at these that you think is the most vulnerable? most vulnerable favorite boy that you know i'm sorry i'm sorry most likely to win i jumped ahead of myself i was gonna say i was like i thought i was, I was prepared to answer the most the likely favorite but uh, and i haven't answered the other one but uh you know i think uh you know jackie and i we were talking about this a little earlier off air with the guys and it's like man you want to be try to beat jackie with with the one or two in there and you just there's really no 
no way about you know you have to basically come up with something you know create something to try to beat uh to beat him so jackie probably and and a little bit of a uh a more i guess uh hot take so to speak because you have a nice horse in there with her but i think monomoy girl is is one of the the better locks of the breeders cup i think she is going to flat ass bring it <laughs> Mike, uh, we talked on the Magic Mike show uh, quite a while ago. Uh, you were still able to get Monomoy Girl at two to one back before Midnight Bisu dropped out of contention for this race. She's eight to five now. Are you still very confident in her as a lock, most likely favorite to win, or do you looking elsewhere here? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with these guys. Look, Jackie's Warrior and Golden Pal are, are two solid favorites, but they're also younger horses. Monomoy Girl continues to bring it race in and race out. I think she's a lock my boy. Here. I mean, I, I would have been shocked if neither of you guys said Monomoy Girl there. I, she, she's the best. She yeah. is the best horse in that division. And it's Swiss Skydiver that we're scared of and nothing else. You know, and, and she just keeps bringing it. I, I don't know how you don't think she can be a favorite. I bet she goes off around even money. Wow. So there's a lot already, a lot of people contending in the chat uh, uh, about the, the juvenile. So we can stick on this race for a quick second. Frank the Tank says it's tough for Jackie's work to have class year drawn to his immediate outside. And we really don't know what to expect from class year. This is a Bob Baffert trainee that just broke his maiden on debut, what, two weeks ago. So uh, it'll be interesting to try and handicap that one. A couple of people saying that essential quality is actually going to pull the upset in this race. Uh Gentlemen, let's take a look. We like to find favorites that are going to lose, vulnerable favorites, horses that we can try and make a lot of extra money here. Uh, Jared, I'll start with you since I asked it to you already once before. The most likely favorite to lose over the Breeders' Cup weekend. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, when, talking about this real quick, though, with, with essential quality and, and you kind of like you have it up here in Jackie's Warrior. I mean, if I, I have a hard time uh, trying to beat, you know, trying to get that horse beat. So when you look at that, you're just like, uh, I, you know, I wanted to pick essential quality. Trust me. I like that horse a lot. Um, but you, like I said, you almost have to create a way to get uh, that horse beat. And that's, what's interesting about the breeders cup is there's, there's times to go like to try to beat that favorite. And there's times where you're just literally trying to make something up, so to speak. So um, as far as the most vulnerable favorite, I'll go a little bit of a, uh, hot take i guess another one I'll, I'll be here all night with these but uh improbable he is the five to two favorite in the classic i was not surprised at that really that's the most vulnerable favorite the whole weekend I, that 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 is a hot take i'll give you that one. <laughs> well I don't, Mike, I, I, I don't i mean i've gone fading baffert for the most part all did both two days so <laughs> uh well we can get to bob baffert opinions because i got a question about that coming up but Mike, you seem to disagree a little bit there, the uh, probable being the most likely favorite to lose. You love to try and beat favorites on the Magic Mike show. Who are you going to try and beat the most here? I mean, let's let's fade another Baffert horse. Let's fade Gamin, man. I mean, she is she is in a tough spot here. I mean, we saw her run her first bad race last race. We, we know there's been some scrutiny about her in the lab, uh, going into this race. And she's coming at 7-5, to five, and she's got to face a horse that's faster than her for the first time in her career. Serengeti Empress can get the jump on Gamin, and both of them are need the lead. If they both decide they need to lead, then you know, sign me up for I don't care who you want to go with. I mean, Bell's the one at six to one. You can go Sally's curling at 20 to one. You can go come dancing at eight to one. You can go speech at six to one, who's shortening the distance. All four of those horses have a better chance of winning than Gamine does at seven to five. Aaron, you're you're pretty tough on tough luck Bob here. Uh you, are you agree with Mr. Samich? Is Gamine the most likely favorite to lose? No, I don't think so. I think the most likely favorite to lose is God Stormy uh, in the turf sprint. I think I think that's a really bad favorite. Uh, I, you know, it is a lukewarm favorite at least, but if that horse is seven to two, I just think there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, listen though, as far as Gamine is concerned, uh, 
I don't have her on top, and I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say she's the most likely favorite to lose, but she's one I'm definitely going to play against. And uh, improbable was that was kind of I almost fell out of my chair there. I, I don't know that that's a that's too bad of a favorite. Um, Look, it's a really tough race. Maybe you don't want to play it five to two. And I listen. Would- no, I I'm going to play him. Let's be clear about that. Like he's going to be on my mold. I'm not going to. You and I are doing the 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 article. Where we're playing tickets. I'm not going to sit here and try to talk you out of including that horse on our tickets. Um, but I I like three other horses in that race before uh before him and so as a favorite uh he's i think that in the definition is vulnerable now i will agree with samich i think gamine at that price at that low of a price if you're talking about heavy favorite sign me up to play yeah. against gamine at seven to five i think uh all day uh i i, mm-hmm. I we talked about this off air a little bit and i thought i kind of liked gamine because i kind of thought gamine is and uh and uh surrogate empress would be switched you know their odds i kind of thought she would be a little bit more of a value. It's at Gamine. At that point, you talk, okay, maybe you could play her, but seven to five. No thanks. Yeah, I mean, Princess Noor is another one we didn't mention, but I thought I was shocked at the price on Princess Noor, too. Who's I, I was either eight to five or seven to five. I think there's two legit shots at her in that race. We're both sitting at five to two that I'd rather use than her. She is, uh, yeah, nine to five. You're called, yeah, nine to five on her in the juvenile fillies. Uh, the chat seems to be pretty sold that. Golden Pal is the most vulnerable favorite here to deal with. Uh, in Boy. trouble from the far outside, drawing 14. Uh, mm-hmm. Jared, I'll go to you because it sounds like these are people who have not read the Breeders Cup, 14 Breeders' Cup trends to know for 2020. Uh, do you want to explain <laughs> why uh, pick, picking against Golden Pal might not be a, a winning proposition based on past history? Boy, I, I yeah, I'm gonna have to to do a heavy disagree on that one. Um, I, you know, I that's one of my stronger bets of the of the two days, certainly on Friday. Listen, I mean, this race, everything sets up uh, for golden pal, you know, the juvenile turf sprint you've seen, we've only seen two years of this, but you've seen short, somewhat, somewhat short prices uh, at bulletin and four wheel drive. And they go, you know, gate to wire, quick horses, good horses, uh, American based horses that get cut, just that just run fast. And then, and they just go get to wire and, and everything lines up with golden pal. And it helps the fact that without the trend, Golden Powell would be very tough to beat here. Um, so, yeah, I, I I love Golden Powell. Aaron? I don't I don't get the logic that 14 is a bad post in a, in a turf sprint going five and a furlongs. I actually think that's a good post. I would rather have the 14 than the one, two, three, four, five, six, to be honest. So I think he just sits outside and just cruises home. The only thing I would be worried about on Golden Powell that might make him vulnerable is the fact we haven't seen him for a while. Um, I, I think that's the big thing, but the horse kind of has, has ran off layoffs pretty much his whole career. It doesn't seem like they can get a lot of races in a row together for that horse. But if he shows up with his best, he will he will destroy this field. I have no doubt about that. I think he's a very, very likely winner because his field really isn't that great. Um, and so, yeah, Golden Pal from the 14, I'm not concerned with whatsoever. Uh, just got to show up with his race. Mike? Yeah, I mean, we were, we were, Aaron and I were on the feed in the background when this race was drawn, and I let out some words I can't say live on the feed here because my second, third, and fourth choice in this race aren't in this race. Um, so when all three of those left the race, to me, Golden Powell became a horse that's, that's very singleable here. And you got to remember, yeah. we're going, we're going five and a half at Keeneland. Five and a half means you have a decent run up into that turn. If you have tactical speed from the outside, it's not a bad draw at all. Um, for a turf sprint. Now, if you're going a mile and 16th, if you're going a mile, you don't want to be out there. But mm-hmm. five and a half is not such a bad spot. And Golden Pal can be wherever Golden Pal wants to be. He can be the fastest horse in this race, or he can sit third or fourth around that turn. So I think because of the tactical speed, the draw doesn't really hurt him. I'd much rather be 14 than one. I'll tell you that much right now.
Well, you know, and you and you made a good point. Is like I, well, before I was handicapping, I had my top four kind of a before the draw, and like you said, Samage, two, my second and third horses scratched out, you yep. know, and or didn't enter in the race, and so I'm like, well, it makes it hard to to sit. I mean, that only made the case better for for Golden Powell. His main challenger dropped out of the race because he's trained by the same trainer, <laughs> yeah. and they so that'll tell you right there who That's he a thinks pretty good better. indication. Yeah, yeah exactly. Especially when it's the best turf sprint trainer in the world, or in the U.S. at least, especially Keeneland. I mean, Wesley Ward has dominated Keeneland turf sprints, and we're going right back there. Yep. We'll move on. Next question. Uh, we all like the double digit winners. We love the chances to really make a lot of money at the Breeders' Cup. The biggest example I can think of was when Bar of Gold won the Philly and Mare Sprint at Del Mar. That was the same day that a uh, horse that we will not name in this show completely quit going into the far turn. So, Mike, I'll go to you first because you're the Samo Bomb man. Which race is most likely to produce a double digit odds winner on the card? Well, I'm, I'm going to stay on Friday, man. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Um, I don't like Aunt Pearl. I don't like the other favorite in that race. I don't remember the name of the horse, Plum Ali. I'm going to play Ali. against both of them. Um, I, I think that the two horse, Miss Amulet, a 12 to 1, is going to be my top pick in that spot. And I think you've got multiple horses that can surprise at a number. Um, I just, I'm not sold on Plum Ali. I'm not sold. Uh, I'm not sold on uh, Aunt Pearl. And because I don't like those two horses, I think they're going to take a ton of money. I'm going to see if we can find a, a, a long shot in this spot. Wow. Taking a big shot against Ant Pearl and Plum Ali. I, I feel like a lot of people are probably going to choose one or the other on top here. Aaron, what about you? If you're looking for a double digit uh, horse that's going to win over the weekend, where which race are you looking at? I think uh, just from an overall perspective, the turf sprint has got a great shot to produce a double digit price. If you're talking about one that I specifically have picked that's double digit odds right now in the morning line, how about a Daria uh, in the Philly and Mare turf? 12 to 1. I thought that was a crazy price. Uh, I think this horse is very likely to, to, to be the best horse going this distance. And I think that's the big key. If this was a mile and an eighth or a mile and sixteenth, I would pick rushing fall. But that last, you know, sixteenth of a mile, maybe she gets caught. And I think that's the horse to do it. So 12 to 1, I really like that. But overall, as a race, the turf sprint, I think, has the best shot to produce that double digit payer. Jared, what about you? I know you were going through the through the races here as we were about to go live. Did you find one yet that you think is going to produce a double digit winner? Uh, I am, you know, I've, so far I've got. I mean, I'm playing against uh, Bells to One. I'm playing against Sarah Gideon and Gamine. I don't think Speech will be double digits, but that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I mean, I think that'll be a prize. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't have a. I, I think I'm leaning towards a favorite or a, a long shot in the. Uh, in the in the uh dirt mile i think that race is is got some opportunity there uh i know complexity complexity will be tough and i also think uh the uh this turf sprint like halter mentioned got storming at seven to two i like that horse don't get me wrong but man there's so much opportunity there uh for value especially when you get later in the card and you're gonna start having to to you know, make some decisions, right? You got to start either going with really heavy on on some of these favorites or trying to beat them with the something crazy you know i think it'll be interesting too what odds we see on a horse you know like look at the classic and you you know what horse what rods will we see on like a tom Ciotat? you know he's six to one morning line and, and you might get a lot of that and i think that's a very healthy price for him 
I'm going to stick with the uh, the turf sprint as well because uh, since I got we have so much work that we do once the draw comes out, I wanted to make sure I had my top four at least initially before the draws came out. My top pick for this race is the eight Alexandra. She's twelve to one. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to give me twelve to one on a horse that you know has just looked unbelievable this year as a six year old. I love this race, but you look at the odds here on the screen for the turf sprint, it's wide open. I mean, I know Imprimis should be two for two this year. Leinster loves Keeneland. Got Stormy looks great last out. But other than that, you're looking at double-digit odds on the morning line for everyone. So, you know, at least the odds would say this is a good race to go ahead and choose for that pick. The chat seems to be saying uh, we've got Sharp Samurai in the Dirt Mile. I like that one. Starship Jubilee at 10 to 1 in the mile. Uh, I believe she's actually going the Philly Mare turf. So if she wins the mile, that will be uh, especially impressive from her. Um, It'd be curious to see what the turf course looks like on that day, but uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, Let's see here. The biggest race, the biggest headache to handicap, which race is the biggest one to handicap or the biggest headache to handicap. I'm going to handicap reading this question. Aaron, take it away. You know, the, the one that I, I'm having the most trouble with is the Philly and Mare Sprint because I don't really want to go Serengeti Empress because of the pace issue. I don't want to go Gamin. But then it's like, who do you go for? And I, I really, Bell's the one is just becoming too much of like the wise guy horse. Too many people are on him, on her. And I think she wins when when people like Samich are the only ones on her last time out. You know what I mean? So I think now the pressure is going to stack up on her. But then it's like, okay, where am I going to go? Is it speech? Yeah, maybe. Is it Sally's curling? Don't know if she's really fast enough, but definitely has the setup. Come dancing. Is she back in form now? That's what I call a circle race where you just go around in a circle over and over and over. You hit the same horse six or seven times. And at the end of the day, you sit there and you go, hell, I don't know who to pick. You know, this race sucks. So I'm glad it's one of the first races, or I guess it is the first race on Saturday Get this some bitch out of the way, and then, then then let's go on. That's one of those famous races that Halterman, yeah, and back in the day would ride on the guy. Like you know, if you want to go get some popcorn, now's the time. You know, yep. go go get a popcorn and beer because this race is it's impossible. But Save your you money. know, honestly, I I agree with him. That this is the one I had the hardest time. Juvenile turf is tough too for me, um, but this one it's just, it's it, he he nailed it because it's like it makes sense to play against Gammy and Sergey Empress and and lean on his speech or bells the one, but, but you, you, you like, okay, I don't want to get too cute with bells the one. Cause everyone's going to be playing that in the speech. And you kind of have to be careful of these races like this. It, it, it makes the, the, you have to weigh, right. The way out the options is you, you, the race might set up perfectly, but is the horse good enough to do it? Mike. Yeah. This race was actually one of the easiest ones for me because I knew I was fading the two favorites. And so after that, I I thought it was pretty easy to get to it. But that's just because I have a big opinion. If you don't have that same opinion, this race is a mess. Because you literally, I mean, we've already mentioned seven of the nine horses that we think could win this race. And so right there, you could easily go around in circles with it. For me, the toughest one, let's go the FanDuel Mile. I mean, (laughs) you've got just a, a massive field. Right. You've you got a full field. And, and during the draw, I mean, you've got Raging Bull. You've got Factor This. You've got Uni. You've got March the Arch. You've got Digital Age. You have three Chad Brown horses, two Aiden O'Brien horses, multiple speed horses that could go wire to wire, horses that love Keeneland. And it's it's just a mess of a race. I mean, that one to me is where how how you even can narrow it down to three horses is difficult, let alone try and pick one. So I, I, I can tell you right now, my pick for the winner of that race will probably not be my pick when it comes to Saturday because I'm going to go in circles on this one. 
Uh, the, the people have been uh, going back and forth in the chat a lot about the mile, the turf mile people, really not liking Ivar as the four to one favorite. This is a horse that won the Shadwell Turf Mile, has posted three straight triple digit buyer speed figures. Aaron, real quick, because we haven't talked about him yet. Uh, Ivar, your opinions in this four to one, is that too short of a price to take him in this race? Yeah, way too short of a price. No question about that. I, I very highly question that that's what his odds are actually going to be. I feel You're like this is not the favorite. No, no. I, this is a really shoddy morning line. Um, John White's probably sitting there at Santa Anita right now going, <laughs> gosh, what was this guy thinking on this one? You know, um, I, I don't know. I mean, Uni has to be the favorite, right? Like I... Yeah, I, I think she's going to be a shorter price than Ivar. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Digital Age goes off the favorite. I think he will be a shorter price than Ivar. Yeah, so Ivar 4-1 to one is, is not great. But here's the deal. He can win the race. There's no doubt about it. He is in the, is in the defensive use category for me only. Uh, I, I'm not going to use this horse on top for sure. But, hey, if we're going to go deep in this race, I, he probably gets thrown in there. I, I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not sure how you would be, how I'd, I'd get to Ivar in this race. I think even as a defensive use, because there's so many intriguing horses before him that like, I, I can't really, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford on a Breeders' Cup day to go six deep here or seven deep here. I think that's how far I'd have to go. Cause how do you not use all three Chad Brown horses? And then like factor this been incredible. You're going to be on the front end and it's just him and holiday on the loose on the lead. So if one of them miss, misses the break or if factor, this decides to stock, I mean, there, there's just, too many different routes that you could take, and Ivar isn't, in my mind, in any of those routes. Let's take a look now. Think specifically about the draw and how you might have handicapped the races before versus after. Whose chances did you think, Jared? I'll start. Yeah, Jared, I'll start with you. Whose chances did you think maybe got improved the most by where they drew in a race? Uh, you know, I, I, I try with the Breeders' Cup. I try not to lean too heavily on the draws. Um, I, you know, I think you can make some cases. If you want to try, you know, like a golden pal, I mean, I, even though I do like that horse, um, but drawing all the way outside, I think you, you can be more punished by a draw, um, but versus improving by a draw. I, you know, I, you know, Jackie's warrior drew perfect, but not like he needed any help. Uh, he could have drew, drew the parking lot and I feel like I'd still pick him, um, in that, in that race. So I think, you know, to me, it's, I, I mean, when you look at the, you know, like the classic or you look at, uh, uh, like the the turf or even the distaff. I mean, the bottom line is, horse races like this. You got the best horses in the world, or at least the country coming and running in this race. And if the, it's not the Derby, it's not twenty horses. That if if the post is going to hurt a horse, they're probably not good enough to win the race, anyways. Mike, do you agree with the same thing there? Um, I, I have two that I think it improves. I, to me, the only the, like either you can you can have a terrible post and that generally is in the inside, or you can have a, a, a post post that helps your chances. And I think with speed being the inside speed is going to allow you to have a better chance at winning in some of these races. I think Mean Mary actually drew really well in the four hole um, in the Philly and Mare turf. I, I think that that allows her to be the inside speed in this race, get to the rail first, and try and take this field wire to wire, which is her most likely route to win. And and even though I think Gamine is the least likely favorite to win, I think it was absolutely imperative that she drew inside of um, of Serengeti Empress. I think if she drew outside of Serengeti Empress, she has no shot at winning because she needs to be inside speed to have a shot at winning. So I think Gamine drawing inside of Serengeti Empress was key. And I think that Mean Mary drawing the four hole and being inside speed is important. Aaron, what about you, buddy? 
Well, Jackie's Warrior was the only one that uh, when he drew, I said, yes, that's a good draw. You know, like that's the perfect draw. So I guess I would have to say him. I only want as far as my top picks, I should say. Um, so I'd have to say him. I also think improbable uh, being outside is I think that's that's good for him. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to pick him, but I, I thought him drawing eight was a was a pretty good uh, draw. I would have not liked him to get an inside post. You know, I, I, I he is a horse. He yes, he did show last time out that he can sit way off the, the pace. But that might just kind of be kind of just a weird thing that happened with him because before he hadn't really shown that. So I wouldn't want him to be inside of a lot of speed or he maybe gets pressed and feels like he has to go. So I thought him drawing outside was good. It'll give Irad Ortiz Jr. plenty of options to figure out how he wants to ride the horse. Uh, how about horses that might have been hurt by the draw where you thought, well, I like this horse a little bit better. Maybe it's his the law drawing post two in the classic. Mr. Samich, I'll start with you. Anyone whose chances got hurt? Um, you know, I, I actually probably in the classic, having the outside posts for maximum security and authentic, I think are probably not the best posts for them. Uh, Authentic's been able to get it done from the outside post, obviously, in the Derby. So that was pretty good. But I don't, I don't think maximum security wants to be outside of all of that speed in that race. So I, I don't love the 10 hole for maximum security. Um, I, I think that there's a couple other pretty bad draws on the rail as well. Uh so I, I, earlier in the earlier in the day, we talked about earlier in the telecast, um, we saw simply vanishing, get the draw the inside post. I think that could be a little tough for her and the juvenile fillies as well. But for the most part, I, I, I like like you know like these guys said, I don't think that the draws is a huge deal here. I'm not going to be completely talked off a horse due to the draw in most of these races. Aaron, well, you're the biggest tis the law fan on this thing, right? And you know, you yeah, know in your heart that, that that's a bad draw for him, right, Magic? Yes. And explain that, that, that why. Well, because tis the law that until the Derby, the only time he'd ever lost was when he got stuck inside and behind horses and couldn't get out. And uh, it's going to be a little hard for him going down the stretch the first time. Manny Franco is going to have to try and get clear wherever he's at or tap on the brakes on the backstretch, which we saw him doing the Holy Bull. Yeah, listen, the, the biggest problem is he doesn't like running inside of horses. So to me, that means you got one of two things. You're going to try to have to run him inside of horses or you're going to have to drop him back a little further than he wants to be and then angle him to the outside. Uh, you know, there was an old Magic Mike crafty ride of the week that you got. <laughs> out. Wonderful segment. It was. And I really think it needs to come back. But honestly, <laughs> if Tizzle wins this race, I have a feeling Manny Franco will get the crafty ride of the week because he's going to have to do some work. He's going to have to do some work in this spot. That, that's true. Jared, uh, did you agree on Tis the Law, or was there someone who you thought maybe drew even worse than that? I mean, Tis the Law, if we're talking that race still, I agree with Samish, uh, Maximum Security. I think uh, I, I I was probably higher on maximum, maximum Security than most of you guys in here, and that draw, considering there's all the speed in the inside, I'm, it just he, he's I kind of felt like he would need to be inside and kind of just go and uh, let them kind of chase him. Um, you know, in the dirt mile, complexity, you know, favorites have not bode well in this race in past in the past, and then obviously drawing outside uh, for speed. You know, a little bit of a speed horse. I mean, I think that maybe didn't quite necessarily help. But again, I I try not to 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 put too much weight, you know, on on a on a draw because you know, you, you like I say, if you like the horse, don't let a draw completely scare you off of it, especially in the Breeders' Cup. That's I'm glad, to, I'm glad that you brought up the different things about the trends because that's going to lead us right in the next question. 
of the 14 trends to know for the Breeders' Cup, which you can get for free right now at racingnews.com if you haven't yet. Uh, Jared, I'll start with you because you're the author that you put this together. Which of the 14 trends is most likely to not occur in 2020? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, you know, I'm still... I, I liked I liked Friday's trends pretty well. I, you know, I think, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I definitely the distaff is one that, you know, if you, you that horses have, uh, you know, I don't know. I, that's a tough one. Monomoy Girl would be the heavy favorite in the distaff, and you know, she is. This is that's a race that typically has average odds of four to one. Um, so strong favorites usually win that price. The, the classic, I mean, I, I really think uh, the turf maybe, uh, you know, as far as I know that Euros have dominated the turf, um, you know, but we have had like, uh, you know, we, we nine of the last 12, you have had bricks and mortar last year that did win, um, obviously coming from here. Uh, so I guess maybe that would be, but as far as the trends go, I, I like the way some of these uh, are, are trending in, in terms of this year, uh, the turf sprint. Uh, I kind of mentioned got stormy in the, in the, in the turf sprint as it boding well for her. So that would be one that I think I might buck, so to speak, uh, you know, as far as training towards her, uh, you know, and I, th I really think the one that I'm very intrigued by is the Philly and Mare sprint, because, you know, this is, this was to me, one of the most interesting trends that I did. And uh, I'll just, you know, kind of read it to you in the 13 year existence of this race. Uh, not one time has a horse gone gate to wire in this race. And in this year, you've got speed amongst speed amongst speed in this race. And so that only helped bode the fact that what we talked about earlier, okay, I need to play against this, these speed horses because, you, you, I mean, you can't go against – it's hard to go against that. I mean, when it happens zero times in 13 years, that's that's the definition of a trend, right? Um, and so it's like – it, it already set it up well for it to play against speed and then that's – uh, to, to that one, to me, if you can get like what is going to happen in this race, because it the all trends point to Bell's the one or speech, like we mentioned earlier. Mike, uh, you were, you've been uh, Bell's the one fan since about as long as I've known you. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about the 14 trends that you, you had one at least that you think is going to not occur in 2020? I got to say, this was the toughest question that you came up with pre-show to actually pick one that is not going to happen. I thought that the, the, it's amazing how accurate a lot of these trends are. And, you know, like Jared said, the Philly Meritors, I don't think speed's going to hold there. I, I think that's not going to happen. I think a couple interesting ones, like I, I kind of like Mean Mary, um, which means that the European or Chad Brown doesn't win the Philly Mare Turf. I think yeah. she's got a real good shot at wiring them, especially from that four hole. And then the classic one, you know, the winner around five to two. I think it's possible that the winners around five to two, but I think improbable and tis the law should be the favorites and will be sub five to or be around five to one. Will be the favorites yeah. and be sub five to one. And I think you may be able to get out of that race with just improbable or with tis the law. I mean, I, I think those two horses have been the most impressive throughout the process. I'll probably end up going three deep and includes Tom's is hot there as well. But uh, you know, I think those are the two most likely to, to be bucked here. But like I said, I mean, these are, Pretty solid trends when you actually look at them and compare them who you're picking. It's it's tough to, to deviate from them. That speaks to Jared's ability to put together a good guide <laughs> there. Aaron, what about you? What is the trend that is most likely to not occur in 2000? All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. I I, I think this one's a lock. And I'm going to go the total opposite way of Samage here. So one of us is going to be right. There's going to be a wire-to-wire -wire winner in the Philly and Mare sprint. Here's why. <laughs> It's going to be Karen getting Empress. That will be the trend that gets broken at this Breeders' Cup. And here is why. 
Gamine for Tough Luck Bob. There's a great chance she is phony as F, right? And if she is, and if she simply cannot hang with Serengeti Empress, who can really go out there and get Serengeti Empress if it's not her? All she's got to do is hang for is all it? she's got to do is hang for a half mile. Venetian <laughs> Harbor, the end. She's her up. They, they will ride Venetian Harbor scared, right? The, if all of a sudden they look at this, if you if you look up and she has a two length lead, Serengeti Empress, I'm not sure they will catch her. Wow, that's that. I'm you know. It, I was I, I was shocked you said it until you said it was going to be Serengeti Empress who is the one to bucket. So I'll, now, I'll let listen. It I, do, I do agree with with Halterman. If a horse and and Samich alluded to this earlier a little bit, but if, if there is going to be one, as far as Gamine or or her, it's Serengeti. You know, mm-hmm. I I totally agree with that. Um, I just I don't know if I can see it happening. Here's the it's, deal, guys. They you might get your heart broken by doing that, you know? Everybody, well, first of all, you have to go deep in this race. So I'm not singling Sergey Empress, but here's the deal, guys. Everybody reads the racing form just like us four, right? These jockeys are not going to mess with Sergey Empress. And the only horse that I think will or, or could is Gamine. And if they lock up, it's all over for both of them. So what I really think is going to happen is Sergey Empress is going to get ahead and Gamine is going to stock. And if 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 Serengeti Empress runs the rest of them off their feet, I'm not sure they're going to be closing. Do you think Gamine can win stalking? No, I don't. Do you I think Do you think Baffert and Velasquez think Gamine can win stalking? I absolutely think they're going to do that. Yeah, I think they do because when you look at when you look when you look at her races, she has to be on the lead, but she cannot go toe to toe with that older horse. I just don't think there's any way she can do it. I think your best chance in this one is the stock. I really do. Because if she stocks and they're, they're clear of the other ones, all of a sudden she just has to pass that one horse and she's unhurried. And you look at on paper, it's, she could kind of do that. Like I could see Gamine being two ahead or uh, Serengeti Empress being two ahead and then Gamine being two ahead of the rest of the field. Dude. I, I, I mean, I think that it's, I don't, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and and in my mind, I wanted to pick Gamine, thinking, okay, she's gonna sit the perfect stalking trip off of the speed, but I just feel like I think she is a little phony. Like, unless she's had easy leads to to in her career, when when she's gonna like, I feel like if she tries to stalk, all you're gonna see her do is like slowly fade down the stretch and just not make up any ground. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If Samich, because first of all, Samich is set up on paper is the most likely scenario without any doubt. I'm not arguing it, but if Gamine and Serengeti Empress are head and head and Serengeti Empress is on the outside and they've got Gamine pinned on the rail and it's those two, I just don't see a world where Gamine's going to, going to stay in there long enough to really soften up Serengeti Empress. Well, maybe I, I think, I think you ride Gamine to go to the lead. I don't think she wins any other way. And I think that's really what it comes down to is, is do you, I don't believe that she can allow Serengeti Empress to cross over, then move to the outside and re-rally around her. I don't see how in the hell she does that. So if, if, if she can, then she is by far the better horse because look, Serengeti Empress digs in and for her to be able to cross over and then catch her, she's going to give up, be down two legs because there's no way Serengeti Empress crosses if she isn't. And so it just, to me, I, I see less of a chance of her winning 
if she's stalking Serengeti Empress and Serengeti Empress gets to just gallop out on her own than if she is trying to, to beat her on the inside. I don't think she wins this race either way. I, well, I'll say this. You're, you're most likely going to be correct on this, but here's the deal. I think for her to run with Serengeti Empress, she's going to have to be under a ride early. I, I don't think, nat- I think if you can natural speed versus national speed, she can't run with her early. And I think that's going to be the big, the big key of the whole race is can Gamine hang with Serengeti Empress? If she can, Serengeti Empress is most likely really screwed. If she can't, I think Serengeti Empress is going to go wire to wire. And maybe it's just me and my hatred for, for Tough Luck Bob that's getting in the way a little bit. <laughs> but I just kind of think Tough Luck Bob's got a real phony horse here, and Serengeti Empress is the real deal. And to me, if that happens, because the other thing is, I think everybody else in the race is real scared of those two up front. I don't think they'll challenge. So if it's a situation where one doesn't do their job, the other's got a great shot to go wire to wire. I'll get one word from each of you to close this out. I mean, the question comes from Dennis Trusty, one of our loyal listeners. Dennis, thank you. Over, under, opening half, 43.9. One word, Aaron. Over. Jared. Under. Mike. Over. All right. I would That's go really over fast. as well. That's really <laughs> That's very, very fast. Her, her, uh, Serengeti's last two races were under that. So that's why he brought it up. <laughs> well, we're going to stick here with the Philly Mare Sprint. I'm going to say buy or sell. You guys just say buy or sell to this. Buy or sell. Speech, Gamine, and Come Dancing will all lose the Philly Mare Sprint. The reason they're bringing this up, posts one through three at the fall meet going seven furlongs at Keeneland were two for 36. Aaron, buy or sell. So I'm buying. You're buying that they will all lose the Philly Mare Sprint. Jared? I mean, the the odds are, yeah, buy. I, I, as, a, as, as someone that's leaning towards speech at the moment, I'll say sell. <laughs> Mike? I would buy, and I would lay quite a bit of juice with that. <laughs> that's, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> Let's take a now, look can at this. Like, before we move on, like, like sure. at the very least, like, like we, we say or talk about that. We could, we could talk about that race for another 30 minutes. That race... It's the first race of the day on Saturday, as far as the Breeders' Cup goes. That is going to be—I cannot wait for that race. They're going to have—it's it's going to be a throwdown. We just sat here and debated on what's going to happen, how fast they're going to go. I mean, you guys know that, that I there's nothing more I love than a horse like Serengeti Empress who just throws it down, and you know she's going to throw it down, and it's going to be like, "Hey, you little bastards, come and get me if you think you can," because <laughs> I mean, they make they make there there's there's zero like that's what I love about her. There's Zero mistake what she's going to do. We all know what she's going to do. She's going to go, and you're like, try to catch her. That is a classic separator race. If you can get out of that race using two horses, you are way ahead of everyone else in the pick five sequence. Yep. Let's take a look at the male sprint. Buy or sell. Echo Town and CZ Rocket will both lose the dirt sprint. reason I say this, post one and two at the fall meet going six furlongs. One for 70 Eight. Let me say that again. One for 78. Echo Town and CZ Rocket drew the rail and post two. Jared, buy or sell? I'm going to, what'd you say? Uh, we'll lose. I'm going to buy that. They're going to lose. Mike? Yeah, I would buy that and parlay it with the other buy and lay heavy. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, uh, are, you, are you accepting bets, Magic? <laughs> this is why Magic <laughs> is not a bookmaker. Aaron, buy or sell? <laughs> I uh, what Samich said. I, I buy it <laughs> big time. 
<laughs> the biggest surprise to me out of this race, I'll, I'll, I'll segue into it real quick. Steve Asmussen with two horses. We pretty much knew Nashville was out. Uh, Yopan and Echo Town. Ricardo Santuna Jr. picks Echo Town, not Yopan. Aaron, real quick, were you surprised? And was that the correct decision? No, it's not the correct decision. Yes, I was surprised. And I wonder if the owner of Yopan said, get Joel Rosario on this horse. I don't want Santana. <laughs> Jared? Yeah, I, I, the same. I agree. I think that was, <laughs> I don't agree with it at all. Mike? I'm confused. Like, that makes no sense. That's just dumb. You should be on your fan. <laughs> like, someone had to say something. Well, Rosario's ridden the horse twice, and, and Santana's never ridden it. So maybe he yeah, didn't even. Like, have what the hell happened? Yeah, I know. It's like, what did we not know? My guess is Santana didn't get the pick. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. Go, <laughs> going with more with what Aaron said. You know, uh, sorry, this go ahead. race here is super interesting. Uh, the sprint for the reason of with complexity, a horse that's good, you know, the favorite of the race and very much a, a fast horse and, and obviously probably deserving favorite coming into this race, you know, is very, very good for Chad Brown. But this is one of those trends too. That's going to be interesting to see, you know, just two horses uh, in the last 22 years have won the sprint gate to wire two of the last 22 years. And that, I mean, Lace House chance lot who absolutely just, just absolutely blazed last year who couldn't get it done so this one to me if you're if you're gonna fade a favorite complexity seems like a very good favorite to fade well let's talk about the dirt mile here because that's the next question buy or sell mike i'll go to you first mr freeze complexity jesus's team and owendale will all lose the big ass fans dirt mile the reason i asked that is because in the past 14 Breeders' Cup races, when there was a full field of 12, post 9 through 12 are 1 for 56 in that span. Mike, buy or sell, all four of those horses will lose the dirt mile. Well, um, you're only asking me if I'm going to buy or sell if complexity is going to win or lose because the other three have zero chance. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and uh, I'm going to buy that they will all lose because I'm not going to have complexity on top in this spot. Aaron, you've been high on complexity, at least a lot higher than I have been on him. Do you buy or sell this? I've really wavered on complexity the last couple of days as it gets close. And I have to make my final decision right after we get off the air. I got hours of work after this and uh, I am going to buy this. Uh, I'm going to use complexity. Uh, Mike is right. I don't give a shit about those other two horses, but I will use complexity. And but I am going to pick a different horse on top. Change his mind on that one. Mike, do you uh, do you need to go? I remember you had a you had a hard out here coming up pretty soon. Do you need to get out of here? No, we got we can roll through it. Perfect. We'll keep rolling. <laughs> Buy or sell? This is a fun one. Kenny McPeak made the correct decision putting Swiss Skydiver in the distaff and not in the classic. Aaron, you're laughing. I want to hear your answer. Buy or sell? This was the correct decision. Oh, we all need to go to we need to go to Jared. Uh, I, I'll answer uh, calmly. Um, <laughs> probably not the the it's it's the best decision for the horse um it it's not the best decision for the horse's legacy let's put it that way she definitely this is a easier spot for her to win but you go you give that horse a chance to be one of the greatest of all time she pulls off a, a off a classic win and so i think that's where i would have put her jared <sighs> yep um <laughs> Trying to think how 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 heavy I want to get here. Um, you know, not all of us can be uh, can be legends, and clearly McPeak is not one of those. And he just decided, you know what? We're he's in the in the world of participation trophies. You know, like let's just go ahead and run her in the easiest spot we can, and let's just not try for 
for for absolute, I mean, I, you have a chance. Is she better at a mile and eighth or a mile and a quarter? Mile and a quarter. Mile and a quarter. Mile and a quarter. If she wins the classic, is she one of the best? Not, I mean, not just three year old best fillies, uh, maybe of all time, but definitely in recent history. Yes, she becomes a legend. Yes, you have the chance. It's there. You have a win and you're in. Effing race. You won a win and you're in for the classic. And and I'm sitting here. I'm. I guess maybe. I mean, I love Monomoy Girl. Samich loves Monomoy Girl. So you're playing for second, in my opinion, at least in the in the distaff. And so you're you're shooting for second. Not only that, it's a six million dollar race in the classic, and you have a win and you're in for it. It's just I don't get it. Like to me, them choosing against running her in the classic is an automatic play against in the distaff. Because if you don't think, I mean, what are you doing? If you if you <laughs> What? Why are you running them? Like I, you haven't faded the boys two times this year, and now you get her to the the biggest race of the year. She's won a race to get in the f-ing race, and and they just say no, no, that's good. We're good. We're just gonna run in the distaff. That's fine. I know she's greater. You know, much better than a mile and a quarter. She's a beast. She just beat authentic. I I just don't get it. Like I I, I mean. He keeps avoiding, you know, and, and Magic jokes about it, but it seems he keeps avoiding Tis the Law. Like every time, every chance he gets, he avoids Tis the Law. That's what I've been saying. I mean, I was only half kidding. He keeps avoiding Tis the Law. Uh, Mike, while I write down the time code for Jared using his one F word so I can bleep it out for the podcast, uh, do you buy yourself? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But I, one time I stopped myself. I just couldn't. Do, you can't expect me to do it both times, okay? I, I, will, I, will calmly, I will calmly say what Jared just said. You're running, of course, at a worse distance where she has less of a chance to win for less money. That seems pretty dumb. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it's that simple. Your your goal is to make money here, and you're 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 choosing to run for less money in a worse spot at a worse distance. Yeah, that's the summary of what I just said in a very <laughs> subtle way. We'll just I'll just cut that off for the podcast. We'll just go Jared, and then just play Mike's version, and we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, next, the next question is going to concern a couple of horses coming in from layoffs, and they're kind of proven with these layoffs, especially the first one, Tom's Day Tot. And gentlemen, out of the three horses here, Tom's Day Tot, Vacoma, and Oleksandra, whose long layoff gives you the most worry heading into their Breeders' Cup? Mike, I'll go with you first. The only one I'm going to use is Tom's Day Tot, so it's not Tom's Day Tot. Um, I would probably say Vacoma. We've seen Oleksandra run well off the layoff like this before. I mean, Vacoma's done well too, but. For me, Vacoma is the biggest question mark out of these three horses. I think I know what I'm going to get out of the other two. Aaron, I know that Vacoma's layoff was one of the big concerns you had, whether or not to pick this horse on top. As it stands right now, is he the one that gives you the most layoff or the most worry too? Yep. Same for me, Vacoma. Uh, I just think it's, it's, here's the deal. His, what the way he runs with the paddling, it, it just, it scares me. It makes me think he's got some little issues and the paddling just makes it worse. Uh, you know, he's not at like, say, so he's just not a fluid mover anyway. So it just kind of worries you. Uh, you look at Tom Zata, it's pretty normal for him to have these kind of breaks. Uh, but Vacoma, yeah, pretty scary. And, and uh, Mike said it best. I think Alexandra, we've seen her come back off layoffs and, and run run pretty well. Not that we haven't with Vacoma. Uh, and then, yeah, he, you know, he draws a tough, tough post. You know, I don't know. It's just, I'm just worried about him. Jared? Yeah. I think it's Vacoma. I mean, the horse was 
not like I mean the horse didn't run that much. It's only ran three times this year. So it's like whenever a horse is running, absolutely lights out. I mean, one wins a carter by seven, wins the met mile uh by you know one and a half. It just unbelievably could not be a higher form and then it's just done, just stops, you know. And that to me is a pretty big sign that something either is wrong with the horse, they're being careful of making sure something's not wrong, you know, is isn't going to go wrong with the horse. There's some issue there. And to me, when you're looking at the, and you get the post position, there's some reasons to play against, and there's certainly reasons to be worried. I think uh, Tom Zaytot and Tizzle are both horses, and it came up in the chat too. Those are horses that, because of the layoff, you, the, at least for me, I think, well, yeah, this is actually the right thing. You see how they've been spaced out throughout the year, how carefully they've been managed. It's one of those things that might actually benefit them. Here's a question I'm really excited. Bob Baffert, Chad Brown, Brad Cox, they both have plenty of live mounts. They're big names that we as Americans know very, very well in the Breeders' Cup. Which of those three is most likely to lay a goose egg over there? Not which one you want to lay the goose egg, Aaron, but which one do you think is the most likely to put up zero wins for the weekend? Aaron, I'll start with you first. It's it's not Brad Cox. I think he's getting ready to have a pretty big Breeders' Cup. Uh, When you look at Chad Brown's contingent, it's not – what we're used to seeing really i still think he's not going to put up a goose egg but he doesn't have like a really strong bunch tough luck bob if if we if gamine doesn't win and we think princess Noor is a bad favorite and we're all playing against him in the classic i'm going to go tough luck bob legitimately i think he's got a chance to throw a goose egg out there and boy wouldn't that be nice so i'm going to pick <laughs> tough <luck> bob <laughs> up a goose egg and for the entire racing industry to toast on that <laughs> uh the, i will say the chat seems to be very much agreeing with you jared do you agree with him as well yeah karma could be a bitch you know and uh it just seems like it would only be fitting right to see him go over and i don't think there would be one single person uh, other than maybe uh his wife that would be upset about that <laughs> Mike Samich. Good pick. Yeah, it, it would. <laughs> it's the only race I think he wins the classic. I think if, if Improbable doesn't win, he goes over. So, and, if, and the other thing is, Monomo Girl is going to win. So, Cox has one. And I like Brown in the mile. So, it, it makes it really easy to say Baffert. Yeah, the, people seem to be that, uh, incredulous that I would even suggest I, Brad Cox at this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree that, I mean, to me, if you're, if you could, you could phrase the question, who's about to explode in the Breeders' Cup? And I think the answer could be Brad Cox. Um, yeah. He's got some serious monsters in a lot of races. And so I think we might see it pretty early where you're like, uh oh, yeah. here, come, here comes Brad Cox. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, though, guys, uh, Chad Brown, I know you like him in the mile so much, but if he doesn't win that race, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming either Vacoma or Complexity or someone of those horses that I think are kind of those middling horses that one of them shows up and that's the other way he can get a win. Yeah. Complexity could win the dirt mile. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He's more likely to win one than, than Tough Luck Bob. I agree. <laughs> well, and Jared, you said Brad Cox would be most likely to win the one. That actually is a question I had that I cut for time. So thank you for answering that for me. <laughs> <laughs> quickly got to it. There you go. Yeah, we got two. We got two left here. And thank you, everybody. Been, we'll get to your questions. Uh, there have been a couple that have come in that I want to get to here at the end as well. Which two-day Breeders' Cup format do each of you guys prefer? We have the current setup where you have Future Stars Friday, all the juveniles on Friday, and then all the older horses on Saturday. Uh, do you prefer a gender split? Put all the female races on Friday, all the males on Saturday, 
or is there something different that you prefer? Aaron, I'll start with you. Yeah, current setup. I love the current setup. I think they they did a great thing when they did this. Uh, you know, the distaff used to be the highlight of Friday, and that was okay. But I think it belongs on the Saturday card. And I love these. I love these juveniles. You know, I love these five races back to back to back. Uh, I, I, I just think they did a really good thing and I hope they don't change it. Jared. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, you know, I, I miss the, uh, the distaff being like the main event of Friday. Cause as a, you know, as a bias, just because you kind of have that two day excitement of like the two big races, but they deserve to be on Saturday as well. And I think it, for a fan standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to have the juvenile races, um, on that single day to kind of focus on the up and coming horses, uh, for what we're going to see later on, you know, and, and next year into the Derby trail. So I like the way they do it. Uh, it. It builds up so much momentum on Saturday as you go throughout the day um, to have all these big races like the Distaff, uh, and you still have the classic, you know, two races later. Yeah, Mike, I agree too. I, I, I liked, like there was, it was a lot of fun. I remember you at at, uh, at Santa Anita when Zenyatta ran on Friday and won the, the Distaff. And that was awesome to have that, like to have that, that, pedestal that she could stand on that not being overshadowed by any of the male horses or the turf horses that would run the next day. I thought that was a really cool chance for some of those, those uh, fillies and mares to be able to really stand out. But that being said, it was cooler when she ran in the classic, like that was better. So like, it, I kind of like the fact that you can run, like just, just have the, those top fillies run in the class and get their moment in that spot. So I do like the current setup. I mean, you know, you could do like turf on one day, dirt on the other, but then you could have an absolute shit show if it rains on the turf day. So I think the way that they have it right now is the best possible way to do it. Yeah, the, the I've only been racing a few years, but I've seen both sides. I prefer it the way it is, especially because I seem to always get the distaff wrong and get my heart broken in the distaff. It's a lot easier for me to then go to the classic just a few races later and forget about the problems I had in the distaff. So uh, it makes it a lot easier for me. Last question for you guys. It's more of a f complete the sentence here. At the end of the 2020 Breeders' Cup, the front runner for horse of the year will be Aaron. So you're basically asking us who's going to win the classic, essentially. Ugh. It's however you want to answer this. Well, I, I, I'm really wavering on Tizla with the post. I, I just think it's, it's not great for him. I, I, he, he was my answer all the way up until he drew the two. Um, I'm, I, I'll cop out and say tis the law because I haven't jumped off of him yet. And if he wins, he absolutely is going to be the horse of the year. No questions asked. I haven't jumped off of him at this moment. Um, so I'll say him, but it's, I'm really wavering on that race. Jared. Well, we're sitting here talking about tough luck, Bob. And uh, you know, you're, you got to consider the fact that he's got three potential horse of the years in here. And so would, would it be fitting? I'd say no. Right. So let's just continue the tough luck for Bobby. And let's say I'm going to go. I'm, you know, the more we've gotten the, this week, like the last week or so, Tom's Diatot just keeps building and building and building and building for me. And I, I really think, you know, you look at that resume it wouldn't be a lot of resume, but the horse, when, if you could put in what this horse did, you got a reasonable excuse in the Whitney. If he comes in and wins this race, he's very much so the horse of the year, in my opinion. So I'm, I'll, I'll go Tom. Man, it, if Swiss Skydiver wins the, the distaff, I think she should be horse of the year, which is odd because I don't think she should be in that race. But if she does, her campaign this year, the number of grade ones she'd won at different tracks – just month after month has been absolutely epic. 
I don't think she'll do that. Uh, I'm going to go with Tizzlelaw as well. I think he wins the classic and takes us home. But I, I think it's most likely improbable or Tizzlelaw, depending on who wins that classic. Okay, two things I want to say before you go to Magic. Because one, my heart wants Tizzlelaw. Okay, I'm rooting for Tizzlelaw because I think that's just been a cool story all year. And, the, you know, just they would deserve that. I think it'd be really neat to see that horse kind of rebound off of the loss. And two, don't even get me started on Swiss Skydiver again. Because... I- <laughs> name name John, someone who what had a better campaign though. No, no, I agree. I but, 1000 percent agree with you. And she should be horse of the year because she should run in the I won't say it, Magic, in the classics. Because, like John White said on the pod, he's like, you have to factor in when these trainers intentionally avoid the big race. That but, ha- but when, even if she goes and wins that race, you have if she goes and wins the distaff. I guess there's a, you know, what would you do if she wins a distaff, beats Monomoy Girl, and say, buy, your, buy my, sta- <laughs> don't even, <laughs> buy, my, buy my standards or something, wins the classic. Then so she's all of a sudden, I know, but even avoid, it, it, that's, it's tough. She I get it. But. Deal. She cannot win horse of the year if Tis the Law, Authentic, Maximum Security, win the classic uh right you know here's the deal if he wins it and she wins a distaff i think it's a big debate between her and tom Tata. i would almost I swiss because he hasn't had much of a campaign where the other mentioned a, a campaign of four for tom and she's had what like 10 yeah, yeah i i'd have to vote her i'd have to vote her uh but authentic tis the law uh you know max yeah, yeah, he'd probably win it. You know, those horses. You know, she's going to be tough to pass. But so if she wins, she's just got to hope for an upset. God, uh, if Max wins it, if he goes from the service barn to the Baffert barn and wins Horse of the Year, like that would be about as twenty twenty as you can get, right? If if Maximum Security wins that race, I, I'm going to need at least an hour break from the sport. Uh, you know, maybe maybe longer. I mean, it's I, I may not play Remington after. Yeah. Uh, I will not play the early pick four. Right? Yeah. Well, the late pick four, you have to. Yeah. The, the average yeah, yeah. Remington's so good. You have Big to play four. The four. But yeah, I I just I would just be sick if Maximum Security wins this race. I love it. I'm going to try and find the, there are a couple of questions I wanted to get to here quick. Uh, I'll have to do them off memory because I can't remember them or uh, can't find them in the chat here. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. It's been a long day for me. Uh, so first question, uh, if someone who hasn't watched juvenile races that often wants to know which of the two-year-old races are you the most excited for? I would guess it'd be the juvenile, but uh, you can go one by one real quick, Aaron. I'm reading this comment. What was the question again? The, yeah, I know. I saw that one too. The, uh, are you talking about? Am, am I the Jew? I don't know I who the Jew is, but I, don't I think know. it's Jared. <laughs> and who's, and who's do I, should I know who Groucho Marx is? Yeah, that's the comedian that looked like uh, uh, um, Hitler a little bit back in like the silent movie era. Appreciate it. Uh, not Jewish, <laughs> but uh, I have some Jewish friends, so there you go. Question <laughs> magic. All right. So, it, it, of all the two-year-old races that you're excited to watch, which one are you the most excited for? Probably the the, the just the juvenile, just because I think Jackie's Warrior is just a freak. But if he gets beat by say in essential quality, then we got a couple freaks, you know. So I, I'm super excited for that race, Jared. Yeah, I think it's the juvenile. Just you know, just like I mentioned in the uh, in the trends, you know, we've the last five winners of this race have gone on to run in the Kentucky Derby, Storm the Court, Game Winner, Good Magic, Classic Empire, Nyquist. So 
you, it's a pretty strong history there that a horse that wins this race is a horse that you need to know as we move forward into next year. So it's got a lot on the line in terms of that. Mike? I like betting, so I'm going to go with the juvenile turf because that's the best betting race on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that is a, I, t- I told Aaron, that's I said, I'm a chaser. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a hard race for me to handicap at that juvenile turf. I was like, I need to wait and see what the draws are before I can even figure out who the hell I want. I think I have eight horses listed and I'll just take four out of those eight right there. Yeah. Interesting euros. You guys like it, it could, you can go a lot of directions. You're going to get, that's another race. You could see a 10, 15 to one shot. That's logical win. Yeah. This is the other question I was looking for. The chat, apparently, if you get enough chat, and you guys have been amazing with the responses, it disappears yeah. after a while. So, uh, but I'm really glad Feldman because this is the other question I was looking for. What European-based horse, based on the morning line odds, is presenting the best value? Well, for me, it's got to. It's got to. I'm going back to the horse that I have picked. That's that's twelve to one. I think that's so. It's an easy answer for me, Adaria in the Philly Mare Turf. I, I just think that first of all. Uh, and, and Samich was reading the uh, reading the post positions and the odds, and so he knows my reaction. I was like, twelve yeah. to one? Are you kidding me?" Um, I really thought this is would be maybe the third choice. So for me, uh, Adaria, number eleven horse in the Philly Mare Turf. Well, she is the oh no sixth choice. I was gonna say she is the fourth choice. Looking at the odds, there, it's not far off for her. Just because rushing fall and me Mary are gonna take so much money. Uh, yeah. Jared, what about you? What kind of European horse do you like? Uh, I'm still. Uh, working on Saturday, so as far as a definitive answer, but on Friday, I like uh, I like Battleground in the Juvenile Turf, six to one, um, nice price there. I think that you know, I think Euros do quite well in that race. Um, and then in the Juvenile Phillies Turf, a race is just damn near impossible. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, four to one on Ch- Ch- Campanelli, I like that horse a little bit, but I know it's not a huge price. But I think Battleground has got a really good shot in the Juvenile Turf. Um, at six to one. And I, I really, <laughs> those races, I just mentioned two of the more impossible races of the, of the two days, you know? So I think it makes sense to kind of lean on the trends a little bit on those races and try to find value. Mike. Yeah. Sign me up for Miss Amulet 12 to one juvenile Phillies turf. That, that race that uh, Jared was just talking about there. There you go. Um, I, it's two horse. I think she's got a, I, she's going to be my top pick in that race. Um, I, I kind of like the uh, 14 horse, find it here uh editor at large chad brown no the 14 horse in the race aaron was talking about cheyenne pepper uh oh, in the oh, yeah. Making pepper, yep. philly and turf uh, eight to one i think that i think cheyenne pepper's live and then in the turf man I, I, we were like aaron mentioned we were going through it tarwana or tar tarnawa uh mm-hmm. six to one I, I think that horse is uh, really live in the in the turf and I, I we were joking i would love a prop North America versus the world. And, and I would easily take the every European over the North American horses in the turf. I, I would, I don't think a, a North American horse hits the try in the turf. I will say if, if you like Tarnawa, you need to like Audaria. And I think that's the, if you're seeing that these guys, how they respond there, you should be able to infer a little bit based off that. If you're not sure what I mean, go back and watch a couple of their past replays. I'm telling you, you'll get some chills. Uh, the last thing, and then we'll sign off. Before you guys sign off, Frank the Tank wants to know why Mike Samich does not like Plum Ali. I will second that, Frank the Tank. Why do you not? And third, uh, Plum Ali is my top pick in this race. I'm very curious to hear why you don't like her. Oh, and no, knowing that Kentucky Downs horses have done so well, which is something I might have heard from you once or twice on the Magic Mike show. Now you guys are making me go find Plum Ali. Um, yeah. Well, she's on the screen right now if you want to look at her. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the past performances. <laughs> uh, horses improved three straight times, but like, 
eh, none of those races are that impressive to me. And I like the European horses in this race. I think almost all the European horses are coming in with better form than, than Plumali or Ant Pearl is. And I think, you know, you've got those low 80 buyers. If you look at Champanelli, who Jared mentioned, four to one, I, that horse ran a 102 time for him. That's an 89 buyer with their last time out in Europe. I mean, you have better numbers sitting with the European horses in this race, but people are going to gravitate to the two horses that they know. I mean, Miss Amulet is coming off a 99 and a 96 in the last two races where she was facing better fields than, than Plumalia's face. Right there, two Europeans who I think are, are better than both of the two U.S. horses. It, it's a tough race. I'll give, you know, to, to go off of that, I do like... That's the thing. Like, I like uh, his pick there, Miss Amulet. I, I think that the horse is interesting at a price, especially. I just couldn't get her in my top four. I think editor at large is interesting. That's a hard one to throw in there. Um, Union Cables, uh, 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 Mother Earth for for Ryan for Ryan Moore and Aiden O'Brien. I mean, there's a lot in here. All that I don't like, or I don't mind too much. You know, so it's like there's a lot in here. So at a certain point, you've got to just start making some sort of definitive line so to speak and say listen i'm taking a stand against that horse i realize it sounds crazy but and that's gonna have to happen that's you have to do that in the breeders cup sometimes to make money yeah right right now i have aunt pearl as my my third pick and i'm not using plum ali in the top four so and that's that like it's it, so it, to me it's just that horse needs to take another step forward and do it against better and that's a tall task so here here's the pro, here's the problem with with what here's the problem i have with what mike said first of all i like campanelli and i like miss almet but he, he referenced time form, right? And how those horses ran like a, what was it? A 102 and a 99, Mike? Yeah. Plum Alley ran a 108 time form last time out. So she does have better numbers than those horses based on the same numbering system they're using for them. That's that's where I landed. That's why I landed on her. Uh, conversely, when you look at Aunt Pearl, her best time form is a 99, which is why I kind of shied away from her and went to Plum Alley. So while I do agree with your logic on these European horses, uh, the two that you mentioned, I, I'm with you, especially Miss Omeda. At 12 to 1 is a great price on that horse. Plum Alley, but using the same same numbers, has ran faster. So that's why I landed on her on top and why I don't understand the, the, the hate necessarily. Maybe if you put Plum Alley third and not Aunt Pearl, I could get more bored with what you're saying. I've never used U.S. time form numbers. I'm, just, I'm not a U.S. time form guy. And so that's it's that. So I'll look at the buyer over the time form and the buyer came back at an 83 in that spot, which puts her equal with Aunt Pearl. So it, it's all it's all about what uh, what what you're looking at as a from a handicapping perspective. So I guess I guess the question is, when you're looking at a time form, for, it's listed in DRF for European. For the, when you're looking at time form, the European horses, wouldn't it make sense to compare their time forms with the American horses? So you have the same scale is my question. Sure. It's logical. I just don't look at time form. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, I'm looking, I'm looking at, I, I have, and this is, this goes back to what you learn and how you started handicapping. I am a hundred percent DRF. That's how I've always done it. And I'll add in certain things every now and then, but when I try and overcomplicate it and give myself too many resources, I do worse. And so I, I try and kind of stick to what I have. And then if I learn something new and I find something that that's interesting, I'll definitely look at it. You bringing that up is actually a good idea for these type of races where that's probably something I should look at because it does make sense when you have a, a unilateral number to look at across both both sides of the pond. It makes sense to look at that. Hey, I've got, a, I've got, oh, an no, go ahead, I got an interesting question I was just thinking about because it seems like every year and of course this year would make all the sense in the world considering 2020 has just been awesome. Um, don't you think like get who do you like what horse? 
we're going to see it Friday or Saturday. A horse is going to scratch. You know, a main horse is going to scratch and throw everything off. Like, I, I have a feeling that it might be my favorite horse, Swiss Skydiver. I, I, I think there's a reason they're not running her in the classic. And I wouldn't be shocked to say if something goes awry and this horse doesn't. That's just like a that's a hot take. I get it. But there's going to be someone. And it doesn't make a lot of sense why they're not running her in the classic, in my opinion. Um, and so to, to run her in the distaff and then all of a sudden the day of or the day before. Oh, turns out. Yeah. Vacoma is a very good answer as well. I agree. Um, any of those. Yeah. I don't think Tom. I, I, I trust uh, Al Stahl. Uh, to get that horse ready, but Vacoma is a good, a very good answer as well. Yep, that's my answer. Vacoma, Feldy Man, fifteen, you stole it. Definitely Vacoma. <laughs> I Gamine. say Vacoma. Gamine for you. Okay. Well, listen, yeah. any Baffer hey, being scratched at this point, that's, especially Gamine. That's a really good one too. Uh, uh, Maximum Security would be one that I could see happening as well. Just, just you know, he's got would, three in the race already. Authentic. I wouldn't be surprised. A Baffer to me is a very high probability as well. With everything going on, I wouldn't be shocked if you if you see a horse like like Gamino could go out of it. Just, and I think Max Security is a good answer too, just because you 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 got to be cognizant of what's going on right now. And those horses, you don't want to run a dud and then have a lot of questions asked. Yeah. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking any time out of your day. I know we've all got a lot of work to do the rest of this Monday evening. If you're watching or listening live or even on replay, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate all the interaction we had with you guys. Make sure you go to racingnews.com. Check out the Handicapping Products page. The Inside Track Wagering Guide to the Breeders' Cup is available for pre-sale right now. Jared, what's a realistic estimate for when the fans can have that in their dashboard ready to download? Tomorrow night, I think. It's, uh, Tuesday night. night. Tuesday night. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're working on the guide right now, uh, getting the content hopefully tonight into tomorrow morning. I'll work on it all day tomorrow, getting that finalized. So definitely tomorrow night, definitely by Mon or uh, by Wednesday morning, it'll be in your dashboard. Perfect. Uh, Slim, if you're still watching, get to work because uh, I, got a, I got an early bedtime tonight and I need to make sure I take a look at your piece first. No, you don't have an early bedtime tonight, Magic. Sorry. No, I really don't. <laughs> well, did you say you're going to take a look at his piece tonight? Yes. <laughs> Magic, you're on the West Coast. You got you got three hours on everybody here. Come on. You're fine. You know what they say, you know what they say about Saratoga Slim, right? Yeah. I do. Yes. <laughs> all, all too well. Uh, Aaron and I might know that from our uh, last time we <laughs> stayed in Airbnb with Slim. Thank you again for following along. This has been another episode of Blinkers Off. Follow the dudes at Racing underscore Dudes on Twitter. I am at Curtis Code. He is SMOBOMB18, number one, number eight. Follow along to racenews.com all week long. We're going to have plenty more for you. This is just the start of the Breeders' Cup week. Gentlemen, enjoy your evening. I'm sure I'll be talking to you again soon. Racingdudes.com for all of your needs. Racingdudes.com for all of your leads. Racingdudes.com for all of your bets. Racingdudes.com as good as it gets. Racingdudes.com for all of your needs. Racingdudes.com for all of your leads. Racingdudes.com for all of your bets. Racingdudes.com as good as it gets. <laughs> Sucky!